Thank you for listening to the Barack Lurie Podcast. Please share this podcast with your entire email list and on all your social media sites so we can double, triple, and quadruple the listenership of this fine offering of entertainment that informs and enlightens worldwide. Thank you. So we've lived in so many different ways in the past in an age of standards, right? We've, we've talked about this quite a bit. But today, as I think about it, we live in the age of no restrictions. How about looking at it that way? What do I mean by that? I mean, like, for example, in only by way of example, it's a fairly recent thing, but the, uh, a, a district court judge recently ruled on... Trump's um, attempt to restrict asylum seekers, this caravan that's coming up into America. And uh, the judge said, no, no restrictions. There should be no hindering of of these people. In fact, they should be granted asylum on a temporary restraining order basis. And therefore, um, you know, Trump's order is null and void. And of course, then he'll have to appeal that to the Ninth Circuit and ultimately get to the Supreme Court on this issue. Hopefully, it'll take only a matter of days as opposed to weeks, but what are you going to do? So you can look at it from the standpoint of no restrictions. And I think, I think that's exactly the way to look at it. There, you is, mean in this case where the court doesn't look at itself as having any restrictions? Right, right. Because <clears throat> they're clearly putting a restriction on Trump. Right. Yeah, Trump is the one who wants restrictions, in this case, restrictions on the ability of immigrants to come into America under certain standards, right? But, but the, the, the district court said, it was basically saying no restrictions. And to me, that's emblematic of the whole leftist mantra, which is that they want no restrictions whatsoever. And you think about it, and this is why I bring it up as a topic, if it were, if it were only the issue about the immigration issue, I, I would limit it to that, that point, but it's, it's so emblematic. Think about it, Ari. In terms of sex, for example, the left wants no restrictions, right? Even when it comes to uh, teaching your children. They they talk about age-appropriate, but what does age-appropriate mean? If they believe that teaching your children about anal intercourse uh, is appropriate at, at the kindergarten level, well, then it's appropriate at the kindergarten level. Who's there to make the decision about what's reasonable, what's not reasonable? So... But, but I, and I put it to you that there are no restrictions. That's what they want. And then, you know, you, so you would think, okay, well, certainly if, when it comes to child molestation, that should be a restriction, and of course they'd be right, but they don't even seem to be pursuing that very much. It's, it's as, if, as if the left is unable to put up their hand and say, no, that cannot be done. Unless, of course, they're talking about Trump and all of his, uh, his efforts to you know, improve the economy or otherwise, that's when they put up the, the, big, the big hand to restrict. But in every other aspect in terms of their social engineering and everything else, they, they want it no restrictions. We get to do what we want uh, in the social avenue, for, for example. So drugs, drugs is another good example, right? Um, we just, California recently legalized marijuana uh, most states now in Canada have uh, legalized marijuana. Utah just legalized medical marijuana. What is that? Well, there you tell go. You? Yeah, that tells you a lot. That's right. So this notion that there should be some sort of restriction, and they'll say, "What are you talking about, Barack and Ari? What you know? We we don't uh, legalize LSD or cocaine and such." Okay, look, look, give them a week. Give them a week. <laughs> give them a week. Exactly right. Sorry, I cut through the crap right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? That's what I was going to say. You know, it's it's it. Give them a week. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's all about the ultimate effort of no restrictions. So why do they do this, Ari? What, what's the reason why? And I'm speaking rhetorically now. Yeah, you're not asking me. You I'm know I'll asking. tell you. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, I, and I feel you'll give me the same answer I'm about to I will. Say. Yes. I'll give you the exact same right. answer you're about to say. <laughs> because a world without restrictions when it comes to sex and drugs and laws, for that matter, enforcement of laws, immigration, uh, you name it is a world which can be utterly destroyed, okay? When you have no restrictions, no discretion, no sense of structure or order, 
you have the ultimate collapse of society. You have chaos. Right. Yeah. Which, which party seeks the ultimate destruction of society more than the other? Democrats. <laughs> okay. I was going to give him multiple choice. And it was going to be very complicated. <laughs> but... But you are very, very smart. It's always D, Democrats. <laughs> little, exactly. little Johnny got it right. If you take the SAT, just fill in everything as D, oh, and you'll get it all right. Oh, it's just, it's awful. It's, it's, it's really, really awful. Yeah. And, and the, the irony, I know, I guess it's not irony. I, I don't like it when people use the word irony and, and don't mean it correctly. The, the, the bizarreness, I should say, is that... You know, the, the Democrats, the, and certainly the left of the Democrats, they, they have no understanding, uh, at least the innocent ones, not the Antifa people I'm talking about. I'm saying that a lot of them really feel like they're, they're going somewhere. And it's, it's a little bit like the dog chasing the car, and you're saying, okay, well, you're going to get the car. What, what's going to happen? Uh, and there's, there's nothing that's going to happen. The dog can't do anything with the car. But, but that's maybe a bad example because... No, it's a perfect example because, they, first of all, the dog's not going to catch the car. Right. And second of all, if it did, it wouldn't know what to do when it caught it. Well, that's what so, I'm saying. But it's not going to catch the car. So what's the point? You'll never impose socialism. So you might as well stop dreaming about what it'll do when it works. Right? Well, look, I, I appreciate your saying that. I don't know that it's a perfect metaphor because, you know, the dog can't do any damage to the car. In that, in that example, right? The damage is, uh, the dog is not going to hurt itself and it's not going to hurt the car. Maybe the more apt metaphor is that we are going over a cliff and we are, you know, pursuing this crazy path, not realizing, of course, that we're going to go over the cliff. It seems so pretty. It seems so nice. It, it beckons to us somehow. This is according to the left, at least. But here we are. We're, we're just going way over that cliff. And you ask these lefties, what is the ultimate goal? Where, where do you see, what is the perfect society for you? What does it look like? And I, and I dare say, Ari, I don't know that they've even thought of the question. Uh, you know, this, they have, no, no, no. Hey, hang on. They have not thought of the question. Now, some of them have, of course. They see the ultimate destruction. We're talking about the Saul Alinsky types. I get that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about... People that the useful idiots that go along with them, okay? So, people who like Oksana, whatever her name is, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Ocasio Cortez. So, she, she is like a useful idiot. She actually believes this stuff and she thinks that she's going to do a great, uh, the world a great favor by going socialist. I, I don't think she's bright enough to actually understand and see that the ultimate destruction of her own ends. But if you were to ask her, and, and people like her, what do you see, what is the perfect society? And, and we'll give you 10 years. So go ahead and tell us what the, what the United States looks like uh, in the year 2028 when, you know, somehow the Democrats have complete control and everyone's kumbaya about the socialist agenda and such like that. What does it look like? And if, you, if it makes it easier for you, uh, you know, use another example of another country that you think would be ideal to look just like. And, and then let's go from there. Well, her answer is simple. It would look less male, less white, more diverse, right? Some stupid answer like that. Uh, but I disagree with you because, it, look, so many of the useful idiots share the same goal, the depopulation of planet Earth. They look at human beings as the problem, and they want as many of us dead as possible as soon as possible. That is clearly the aim. They don't always say it. Uh, I mean... Um, how often have you heard, ever since Trump's election, for our political ideological opponents to say something along the lines of, things are so bad, things are so in crisis, the world is so dangerous now, things are, what do we do in these dangerous, challenging, horrible times, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they want horrible, dangerous, challenging times. Right. They want dead people. Stop, stop giving them credit and saying, oh, they're just innocent. They, 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 they don't know what they really, yeah, they want, they've watched nature shows and pollution shows and diversity of our strength shows and they're convinced that human beings are the problem and they want us extinct so that a diversity excuse me, a biodiversity of species on planet Earth can grow unencumbered by human development. Ari, uh, uh, have you um, taken your blood pressure medication today? No, I, just... I had a really good cup of coffee and uh, I'm feeling great. I'm just 
a little bit worried about you. That, that's see, all. when you eat meat like me, you have energy. Do you see that? <laughs> <laughs> all right. See the difference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. My friends, this elevated is, testosterone. This is a good illustration of why you should go vegan. Go vegan, my friends. All right. Anyway, so we're back on the show. More prey <laughs> animals for me. <laughs> exactly. All right. So look, uh, you know, it, the, the point, the fact is, there, there's so many people there, like young kids. I'm, I'm really talking about younger kids, teenagers, early twenties, who are just wildly naive, and they think it's going to be better. Look, you and I went to UCLA, and we. We interviewed a lot of very naive students who clearly had no idea of history, and that's these are the kind of people I'm talking about because that's the vast majority of these people. But you know, look, we only live in our own brains, so to speak, right? We only see and, and perceive the world according to our, our own ways. Uh, for example, a colorblind person doesn't understand uh, colors the way that somebody who's not colorblind understands, right? That's the way it is. And a, and a deaf person understands it his way and would never understand hearing. And likewise with the blind person who at least was born blind. So they, there's no concept for a lot of people about the, whether or not they think, they, they don't think the way that you and I do in terms of understanding the consequences. Like, what do I actually want? Do, do you ever ask the question, what is my mission? What is my goal? What's the end game of what I'm trying to pursue? And yes, you and I can jump, and, and we are jumping uh, to this, saying, look, ultimately, whether you realize it or not, you're, you're, you're going to end up with a chaotic world, and everyone, and the crime will be wildly up, and horrible things will be happening. Uh, you won't be able to get a job. Uh, you'll have to worry about your wife, if you even believe in marriage, uh, getting raped all the time, right? These are, these are things that should concern you because in a lawless society, that's what happens. You think we're exaggerating? Well, this, is, this, is happening, this is happening all over the world, all the time in lawless societies. Wherever that's, socialism is imposed, this is the result. Well, not even, not even socialism. Venezuela. Not even socialism. Even where there's lawlessness, that's what happens, right? The people uh, end up having to uh, fear for their own lives, fear for their property, and fear for the, the safety of their women and children. That's the way it works. And socialism certainly doesn't help in that area. In fact, it makes it far worse. Now, we've got big problems. If, if you don't understand that, as one of you, if you're a naive socialist or socialist-loving uh, um, you know, so-called innocent person like uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Okay. You have to say it with the right accent. I don't know. Does she, <laughs> does she pronounce it that way when she speaks about herself? I don't know if she says it that way, but right. everyone on CNN says it that way. <laughs> the, this accent is not necessarily approved by the Barack Lurie podcast. Is that anything I do? <laughs> no, no, actually not. It, it isn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, God. I, if you ever figure out how to operate this computer, my job is done, okay? Hey, you know what? Thank, thank God they pay me a lot to do this podcast. Otherwise, I would not be able to, to withstand the pain dealing with Ari David. All right. But I do love him. I, I really do. He's my yin to my... No, he's my raging yin to my sober yang. <laughs> right. That, thank you. That's what that, well, that's the billboard we need. He's my raging yin to my sober yang. <laughs> Oh God! I'm his I, anger management therapist. What have I Thank done you. to? What have I done to deserve this today? I. All right. So all right. We, we do, anyway, we, so we talk a lot about 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 uh, these these raging warriors who who are fighting for socialism and really for the ultimate destruction of society. And if you don't realize that, then you're a fool. Okay. It's it's it's. No, I, I wonder. And I talk to uh, a lot of my. I have, we have so many liberal friends and so many lefty friends. Right? Well, you do. But I, mean, I know. I know. You know I, I should say you still do, <laughs> right? I don't anymore. But it's interesting because they they don't, especially the liberal ones, the the ones that are you know I, I consider to be sensible. They don't even realize how much their own party has changed and how they need to get on the bandwagon of, of certain things in order to, to to remain in the party. It gets more and more onerous, right? And you can never make them happy at the end of the day, the, the, the lefties especially. The left reminds me of this one girlfriend that I had a long time ago. And, you know, the, I don't know, the, uh, the, the chivalrous one in me uh, came out and wanted to make her happy, right? So she was kind of a, 
a forlorn sort of person, and we broke up a long time ago, like 20 years ago. Very nice lady in, in many ways, and that's why we went out. But she was always unhappy about this issue or that issue, right? Not involving me, but let's say, I don't know, her mother or something like that. And you try to help her along. And then you think you get it resolved, and, then, and you do get it resolved. And then she moves on to the, to the next unhappy moment, right? And then you try to resolve that for her. And, and it just keeps on going. There's no time where she's suddenly like, now I'm happy. And you realize, you know, she, she will be perpetually unhappy. There's nothing you can do. It's in her. It's what she wants at the end of the day. You know, I'm a happy person. I, I like to accomplish things. And I, I feel, you know, very grateful for what I have in the world. And whenever a couple of obstacles come my way, well, I, I deal with them as they come. But I don't, I don't it, it doesn't go into my DNA, as it were. And I think the left is very much like that, like that ex-girlfriend, where, you know, as, as well-intentioned as they may be, and again, intentions mean nothing, I'll, I'm going to make that very clear, but as well-intentioned as they may be, they just can never be satisfied. And, and you can say, well, that's, that's a great thing, isn't it? You know, that's, that's the hallmark of a great progressive society, is that you're always trying to improve. Okay, well, that's the way they perceive themselves, right? <laughs> We're moving forward We're like moving a forward shark. Isn't this great? <laughs> Isn't this great? Yeah, they're just, but they're just spinning their wheels at the end of the day. They're not really moving anywhere. In fact, they're moving backwards and they're moving into horrific states. Yeah, and they're causing pro- all the problems they say they're solving. Yeah, okay, great. Exactly. Now, that's irony. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. All right. <laughs> all right, yeah. so, so what do we think then about the uh, prospects of, I mean, is, is, is this going to hold this notion of, you know, the, the destructive nature? Do, does this have a foothold in a, an economy and now in a nation where so many good things are happening? The, the, the success of our economy, of course, is doing so well, notwithstanding a couple of blips in the stock market recently. But we are doing so well with unemployment, consumer confidence, uh, black unemployment, of course, at the lowest level in, in, in all of our history. Um, and, and, you know, race relations are great, um, relatively speaking, of course, to uh, anything that was during the Obama years. And, and, of course, our relationship with our allies is fantastic. And uh, the way we are finally pushing back on our enemies, that's great, too. So I feel like we live in this dichotomous world, Ari, where... Things are moving along so great. By any measure, you look at what America is now going through and you say, you know what? Fantastic. This is great stuff. And, and, and then at the same time, you've got this other dichotomous world where they're saying not only everything is terrible, but, but we need to look at everything in the most terrible way. So to, to go back to the... Um, to, the, to the world of colors like we were talking about, we'll say something is pink and they'll say it's black. Right? We'll say whatever. This is a uh, something is something is in fact you know a very lovely blue, and they'll say it's it's a very dark, you know, hideous. Just keep saying gray. black because everything's everything's black. black. Yeah, that's straight. Yeah. yeah, paint it black. Yeah, right. It's black. like that song, paint it black. Some variants into dark gray and charcoal, but yeah, yeah everything's ne- uh, yeah. No, I, I appreciate your your putting it that way because that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Everything is the negative, no matter what Trump does. It's a negative. Even the moving of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which is a, such a good example, you would think that both the Republicans and the Democrats would be reasonably happy about this because, you know, after all, Bill Clinton said he would do this. After all, Obama said he would do this. And so Trump finally followed through. I mean, isn't this something to be celebrated in the same way that we celebrated the, the, the assassination of, uh, or the killing of, of bin Laden, right? No one wanted him alive. Right when, when, but Obama happened to be president. Now, I'm not saying that he couldn't couldn't have done it sooner. I'm not saying that he he was totally responsible. But but whatever, we were happy with the fact that Bin Laden was dead. Right? I mean, you're nodding your head. Of course we are. But 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 to look at, I think the moving of the embassy would be something similar because well, presumably, you know, the the Democrat not presumably, in fact, the Democrats had. Uh, pushed an agenda to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, well, and they and and here we did it. Yeah, but see, there you've you've just hit on the issue. Understand that is the issue. That when they're in power and they do something that's good for all, we on our side celebrate the act. Right. 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 We have power and we do something that's good for all. 
because we're the ones in power, they disparage the act and those in power. Right. Understand? It's only a win for them if their side is in power when the win happens. Yeah. Now, the fact is that when they're in power, 99.9% of the time what they do is bad for the country. And then we're called out for complaining about it. Well, hey, why can't you just get on board? Well, it wouldn't be bad if you didn't point out the bad. You know, the, the Iran deal would be just fine if you people didn't complain about it. Right. right? No, you're right. Okay. So, I mean, that is the issue. I, I mean, and you know, the, a good thing about podcasts like this is we don't have to agree. I think, I think the best moments are when we disagree because the audience finally goes, ah, good. Someone's <laughs> trying to put Ari in his place. I said, try, not succeed. Okay. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. Oh, you do. Yes, you do. Yes. Go. Um, but, but the point is, um, you tend to, and this is a beautiful thing about you, you look at the best in people, right? You, you really do. That's true. You are actually friends with these people, <laughs> right? Or want them to like you or want to like them. I don't care the reason, but you have positive relationships with them. So you look at the best in them, and that's admirable, Mr. Reagan. But I don't. I think they're the spawn of Satan. I don't care how nice they say that they care about people or they want the best. When I tell them, hey, you know, they're killing black people in an abortion clinic, and if you support abortion, you're a racist and a murderer, and they don't take it well, I go, well, you're going to hell. I don't care. You know, okay. so, so, the, so the uh, point look, is, I don't, I, they're, they're not nice. They're not good. Okay, so, so I am an optimist. You're right. <clears throat> and part of the reason why I'm an optimist is that I was once like these people. I, I was very dark in my outlook, and I... I saw the lack of wisdom in such an approach, and I wanted to change. And I, and now here I am, you know, espousing the great conservative ways and my love of America and, and Israel and everything else. And I'm I'm so glad and grateful that I'm here. Um, the first thing I do is is appreciate uh, all the great things that people have done for me and and just the wonderful things and, and goodness that I have in my life. So I'm an optimist, and I think that other people have that joy, that ability to express joy as well. Uh, on Facebook uh, arguments that I sometimes have with uh, our lefties and liberals, I, I get to say, hey, you know what? I was once where you are now, and I saw that I was wrong. It, it, and the, you know, it, that everything you're saying, I believed at the same time. And, and now you're arguing with me about this, and that's okay. You have that. I'm just telling you I thought the same way. I can make your arguments better than you can right now. And by the way, you're wildly naive. That's what I said. And do they ever say, oh, I'm so sorry. Tell me, tell tell me, me the Dr. Pepper you drank that changed you. Yeah, no, no. Can I have some too? No, what would I? No, because I know I won't convince them at that moment, right? Right. But what I do know and it's very powerful, is that that plants a seed in their head like, wait a minute, this is not necessarily binary. There are people who, who do change their minds, and I wonder what, what it is that causes them to change their minds. I, this man, this Barack Lurie, was once as rabid about uh, leftism as I was, at least on certain issues, and he changed. Uh, how could that happen? Did he become a racist uh, overnight? Right. You know, did he become a misogynist overnight? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> did he become greedy overnight? <laughs> so that, that, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't fly for them. So they, they it, it just, I know that it germinates within their heads and they, they don't like it. But then, then it allows them to think in the same way. Maybe a year from now, five years from now, they might hear a news item and they'll say, you know what? That dog don't hunt with me. And then all of a sudden they change. Let me bring, uh, speaking about uh, optimism, I don't know if you ever heard the, uh, the pony uh, joke that Ronald Reagan loved to tell. So here it is. So there were two brothers, and um, they were about 16 years old or so, and the, and the father noticed something about them right away. One was horribly pessimistic all the time. Every way he looked at life, it was something dark and horrible. And the other one was uh, a pessimist. Sorry, an optimist. And he, you know, everything was just too rosy. You know, and no matter what happened, it was going to be great. No problem at all. So he, he decided that he was going to, he was going to kind of make life, you know, kind of show each of these kids respectfully and respectively uh, a, a different world. So he, he gives the, the, uh, the pessimist son a, uh, an opportunity to just have, you know, to go into Disneyland day in and free pass all the time. Have a great time. He gets a front, you know, pass um, in, in front of the line all the time. 
Uh, so they doesn't have to wait in line. Everything's going to be great. He's going to be a happy camper. And uh, so he, he, he sets him off on his merry way, and he's going to be there for a month. Just enjoy and do whatever he wants. He has all the money and all the free passes that he can possibly want. Then uh, with his other boy, the optimist, he brings him to a farm, and he tells this rancher, who's a good friend of his, said, listen, uh, I'd like you to make life very difficult for my, my son Bobby over here. Give him the worst crappy job on the field possible. Make him work hard uh, and make him you know, realize what life is really all about. And his, his rancher friend said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. We, we do have a lot of work to be done. So anyway, so then he, so he takes that son and he brings him to a barn. And this barn is full of literally horse manure. Okay, it's just, and it's got to be shoveled, shoveled and, and shipped out and everything else and packaged. And it's, it smells, it's gross. Everything about it is just awful. And he says, I want you to shovel all of this until, um, until it's completely clean. I want it sparkling clean. I want it to smell like cologne by the time you're done with this. And okay? not manure-flavored cologne. Yeah, exactly. Good flowers. Yeah, yeah. Flowers. yeah. It's got to be so yeah. pristine. Because some men wear cologne that smells like manure. Yeah. I just want Where once there was that. manure here, I, I, I want to be able to eat off the floor. That's how right. clean I want it. Okay. And so the boy says, okay, sure, sure. And so, um, so a month passes. And, you know, that's what the boy has to do every day, okay? And so he goes uh, now to pick up his son from Disneyland, and the, the pessimist one. And the pessimist uh, gets into the car, and the, the father says, well, how, did you have a good time? Was it fun? And the boy says, nah, it was awful. I mean, every day was, I heard kids whining and crying, and the, and, the, and the rides were jolting and jiggly all the time, and I got nauseous quite a bit. And the food was stale and, you know, just the usual crap all the time. I just hated every minute of it. It was just one. I mean, like, and the weather was never just perfect. It was always so humid. And everything he could think of, basically, he found a way to complain about it. Okay? And so the father kind of rolls his eyes like, oh, well, I guess that didn't work too well. Well, let's go pick up your, your son, Bobby, and uh, your brother, Bobby. And they go to the ranch to pick up uh, this. And it says, oh, where's my son, Bobby? And his rancher friend said, oh, he's, he's in the barn, like, uh, like you told me. So, okay, they open up the barn, and what do they see? They see little Bobby, and he's got the shovel, and he is just shoveling right and left as fast as I all get out. And, uh, and one, one over the left shoulder, one over the right shoulder, and he's smiling all the way through. And then, <clears throat> so then the father says, Bobby, why are you so smiling, so happy about this? And he said, well, I figure there's got to be a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> right? So that's... That's the way he looked at it. Even in all this crap, he figures there's a pony associated with this. Anyway, I, I'm somewhere, somewhere in between those two boys, of course, but nevertheless, I'm closer to the, to the optimist. And, uh, and why not? Why shouldn't I be, right? I happen to live in the best friggin' country in the world. The odds of you being born in this country at this time, and I actually did the odds of this. This is, this is so much fun. Do you know there's only a 4% chance that geographically that you would be born in this country, right? If just, you know, you're some sort of a zygote right, somewhere in the... This 4% of the human populated yeah, landmass that that's, you wound up here. Here, in this country. Right. Okay? Now give them the kicker, though. The, the, well, there's more to it. Okay. Right. Then, then from there, you have to multiply the fraction that you were born at this time. In this era. In this era in America. Because if you were born in the same land here in Los Angeles. 10,000 years ago. What we, what we now call Los Angeles, even 200 years ago, it would be a miserable existence, right? right? Or 300 years ago. So, um, so you, look, right now, it's pretty damn good. And likewise, you know, we're born, you and I, uh, we, we have parents that are, uh, you know, they're not, they're not uh, alcoholics or they don't beat us senselessly or anything else or never did. And that's, that's good, too. Um, and then you've got great kids. I've got great kids. You know, they're, they're healthy and strong. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Uh, and then the fact that, you know, we are, we have a great community. These are things that most people don't have. The fact that we have, we're not, you know, being raised by single moms on welfare, for example, 
that's great too. The fact that we're both good enough, to, good looking enough to uh, acquire sexual activity from a woman on occasion, right. doesn't hurt either. Well, at least to, enough to fool them <laughs> to to agree to be with us and to, to marry us, no less. I mean, like, what were they thinking? Oh man, they weren't. <laughs> but it, you know, but the point is, it's a to have those overlapping blessings on top of the four percent chance. What you're getting at is infinitesimally. You talk. It's better than winning the lottery, right? Okay, right. it's exactly right. Because you can win the lottery ten thousand years ago, and that money doesn't do you any good. That's right. So you've got some bizarre percentage of, of having the lives that we have. Why wouldn't you be eternally grateful? Right, and you're over making and the again. point that it's a bizarre, if I can leap ahead here, a bizarre percentage of miserable liberals yeah. living in this time, in this place, with all those blessings, and they think we're in troubled times? Yeah, they, they have no idea how good they have it. That's, that's our point. Look, uh, so I am the optimist. Uh, I tend to, to think this way. I do tend to think that uh, other uh, these pessimistic uh, liberals and lefties, they, they, they will one day, hopefully, think like I do, like, I do, like we do. And, I, and, and you'll, you've heard me say many times on this show that so much of what's happening with uh, Clinton and the foundation, for example, or Antifa and all the violence that we're seeing, that they're creating little liberals, right? I'm sorry, little conservatives out of this every single time that this happens. So when you have these riots and such, people are shaking their heads and they're saying, I don't want any part of that. That's not the America that I want to see. Yeah, that's not me. Right. And, look, and, I, and, and that's why I'm optimistic. Right. Right. And I, I'm, not, I'm not making this a direct example of optimism, pessimism, although the examples you give are prescient and on point and, and relevant. My issue is not cutting these people moral slack for the vile subhumans that they are. Okay? They are... My point is they're much worse than you think. When I... See, the difference between you and I is that when you were a a wrongist, and I was too, you were still a good person. I wasn't. I think I... My mentality, when I was on that side, is much closer to the body politic mentality of our ideological opponents today. I was so far ahead of the curve in the extremism with which I harbored. Yeah. And you're sort of looking at it, if I could just make a judgment for, of observation, as if they're kind of your standard 1974 to 1984 kind of uh, ACLU people for the American way, pot-smoking hippie who just wants, you know, us to all live together and you know, us all live in peace and let's sing some songs and maybe we could have some, you know, go go to a music festival or something like that. And I see these people much more as they are the Antifa types because I know I harbored that kind of yeah, but, Absolutely misanthropic mindset. You changed, though. That's the point. Right. That's my optimism my, my, is that they okay, can change. But go. I'm not. I'm not going to gloss over and cut them slack and say things like, "Well, when argue with them, well, I really know you want the best for us." No, no, no they okay. don't. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, let's let's make it clear what I don't believe. I don't believe that they have a, a, an agenda that is good for the country. I don't think that they want what's best for the country. Good, I, yes. I, I agree with you. They want, ultimately, a, a socialist paradise, and I put that in quotes, uh, that they must know, ultimately, is destructive. They also seem to want the destruction of America to get to that point. So no matter how well-intentioned it is, and, and I put that in quotes, uh, they want destruction for the sake of building a new society. Uh, with their utopia. This is time and time again what uh, the communists have said and what the fascists have said and what Hitler specifically said. We must tear it all down so that we can build a great new society. That's, right. That's, and and the, the three examples you gave were really good. Communism, Hitler, what was the third and one? Fascism. And fascism. Great. But the issue is they also see it on the UCLA campus like last weekend, okay. right? All right? See, so, it's I got much it, I got closer it. to home. I got it. The point, the point is, uh, as we're talking about this, that you know, these there are many people that are like us. I'm reaching out to the people that are like us, right? We don't we don't uh, focus on the far left who are truly 
uh, you know, off the <laughs> Unsalvageable, planet. Unsalvageable, yes. Right? And we don't have to focus, at least on the evangelicals who are truly conservative from day one and they came out uh, of, of their mother's womb, you know, uh, with an American flag. We don't have to worry about them and, and because, you know, but we have to worry about preserving them, I suppose, at the end of the day. And that's hard work because, you know, God is, is in, in essence, really hard work. To understand and love God and love America involves education. It involves, uh, you, know, uh, you know, controlling yourself. What sacrifice. The liberals, sacrifice. What yes. the liberals, what the left specifically offers that is so yummy and so appealing to the, uh, the ordinary citizen is laziness, right? You get, to, you get to not care about anything. You don't have to live a world of restrictions. You want to uh, engage in polyamorphous uh, uh, marriage? Uh, hey, that's fine. Whatever floats your boat. It, because if you love each other, well, then that's the, that's the key, baby, isn't it? Right? Yeah, in essence, what they're making the argument for is that you can still win the game without even playing the game. And not only that, the game is rigged as we see it. So we're going to get rid of all the rules so no one can play the game, but we're all declare you win the game. No, no, I'm not getting off our field. Because yeah, for this, let me complete the thought for this reason. I think you'll see this. You start off talking about the idea of not living a constrained life within the rules. You gave the example of the judge, right, getting rid of. Yes, yes, go, go, go. Trump's rules. Well, any rule, any game is made up of the rules. The rules of baseball only exist so that the game can be played. And constantly you see them tearing down the rules of every institution, yes. if you will, the game. But they still want you to be able to declare, hey, I won anyway. Everyone gets a trophy, yeah, despite I'm... the unconstrained nature of the lifestyle they espouse. Okay, but, now, but you are going afield a from what I'm saying. I'm not really quite saying that. I'm saying that they, they are offering laziness. Okay, now the fact that they can still feel, and, and the, the thing I don't like, and maybe this is your you know, definition of the game, what they want is to be able to do nothing uh, to, in, in terms of following the sense of God and, and learning about history and actually become, improving themselves as individuals, they, and at the same time telling them that they're better people for it. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's that's what maybe what you're talking about. Right. That's what I'm trying to say, uh, and and that is the devilish con combination. It's a, a combination, a recipe for chaos, because when you tell people that their that their weaknesses, that their frailties, their their um, their sinfulness is in fact some sort of goodness, right? Uh, a that, virtue. A virtue. Yes. Uh, th that's that's a horrible recipe, as we we just said. So, and we're seeing that time and time again. Okay. So. Uh, in other words, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad, right? Quoting the yeah. Sheryl Crow song. And like, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, it can be that bad, right? I mean, you can go, you can be on crack cocaine. It'll make you happy for the instant. Uh, but it is quite bad <laughs> for, for you. For 15 minutes. Right? Yeah. Take it, score some more. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, these, these songs that say these ridiculous things, but when you put it to music, somehow it elevates to, <laughs> yeah, somehow it to, makes sense. Yeah. To, to a great truth of some kind, right? right. I mean, it's, it's like uh, the Imagine song, which is such a good, uh, good example. Uh, such a beautiful melody, and yet the words are so dangerous. And that, that, that's what we have to remember all this time. Now, look, Ari, we, we talked about um, how the left is always thinking about the easiest way out. They don't want any rules. They don't want any structure, right? They, it's all about lawlessness at the end of the day, whether they realize it or not. <clears throat> and we've got a problem then, don't we? I mean, one of the things that we, when we think of... Um, the left, we think, uh, among many other things, we think about Antifa, right, the breakdown of the rules. We think about, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. We think about the, the, the pussy march, right, with the pussy hat march, with the women's march. Uh, we think about, uh, you know, give, give peace a chance from John Lennon and that we should not go to war with anybody and everything is great in Kumbaya. But, you know, one of the things we also associate is drugs, right? So when you think of somebody who is a pot-smoking, you know, pothead all the time, or doing drugs, generally speaking, we think, okay, well, this person probably embraces liberalism, right? You know, you, there's very few conservatives who are really into the pot-smoking. Fair enough? Yeah. Okay. I put it to you that the reason why is that leftism in particular, but liberalism, generally speaking, too, is a drug, is itself very similar to a drug. And look, you can get addicted to leftism in the same way that you can get addicted to drugs. 
How about that? We, we tell kids, you know, don't do drugs, right? We say, just say no and all that stuff. It's the same thing with leftism itself. Well, I'm way ahead of you because I tell my kids, don't do Democrat. <laughs> That's right. 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 Don't well, smoke good. Democrat. Don't ingest Democrat. Yeah. Don't eat Democrat. Yeah, that's exactly right. Don't don't do any of those things. It's very very dangerous stuff. It is a drug, and so don't go there, children. That's that's your just say no. Yeah, in the same way you would tell your children, don't drink and drive, uh, don't drink to excess, uh, don't have uh, wild irresponsible sex, try to delay sex as much as possible, uh, and of course don't do drugs. You should be telling your children. Don't do liberalism. Don't do leftism. Okay? It is a drug the same way. It makes you, and, and think about all the similarities, right? It makes you feel good for the moment, right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that true? You, it's addictive. It's habit forming. Yeah, it, it's, it makes you lose your relationships with your friends and family. <laughs> That's true. Right? Right. But you can do it with your friends, right? It makes you feel good, you know, but it's all, you know, you're, you're all just sharing the joint. That's all you're doing, and, and it makes you feel good for that, that moment. Do you see what an incredible, incredible similarity? I mean, look, it's interesting how I talk to my kids about drugs, right? And how you shouldn't even try it for a moment. Feels for the, good for the moment and then leads to horrible consequences. So children don't do leftism. That's what I say. And if you want destruction for your, for your country, or if you don't want destruction for your country, well, then don't even, don't even tempt yourself with this addiction called leftism because that's all it is. It's addictive. It appeals to your most base nature and it makes you feel, you know, gives a virtue out of your vice. Well, you know, in my opinion, screw the country. That's not the argument. The argument is don't do it because it ruins you. Yeah. It will make you unhappy. It'll make you lose your friends. It'll make you lose contact with reality. Yeah, It'll make true. you develop these addictive behaviors that will take years to reform <laughs> through rehabilitative work. Yeah. And, you know, coming to a higher power. Right. Well, not only that, the more you do liberalism, the more it stays in in you, like like uh, you know, like smoking cigarettes, right? You can quit after a certain time, but and you definitely get your 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 lungs get cleaner, but it never gets perfect. It it'll never goes make, back, and it'll make <laughs> you smell horrible. Okay, that's right. The yeah. smell. Yeah, it's it's not a uh, it's not a good place to go. Don't don't do leftism, my friends. Right, in the same way we show our kids pictures of people on drugs. Yeah. You know, there's that famous one showing With a the crystal eggs, meth right? addict starting as a beautiful girl and ending up as a you yeah. know homeless zombie. It's the same thing. Yeah. Show your kids pictures of Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Maxine Waters. Show them pictures of Ann Coulter and Margaret Hoover. Compare and contrast. <laughs> do you want to be this or do you want to be that? Well, look, you know, one of the great things that we did as a, uh, and this is to your point, Ari, one of the great things we did in fighting Hitler in World War II is that we simply took what he said. Instead of just propagandizing our own vision of, of how bad the, the Hitler and the fascists were, we simply took exactly what they said and we showcased it to the American public. Here's what they're saying. Here's what they're doing. These guys are bad guys. Okay, that's it. That's all we had to do. We, we weren't propagandizing at all other than to show their own film footage. And, and I, I always loved that about America, that when we did that. And we, we are doing the same thing. In my family, we do the same thing. I, I show what uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez does. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I wonder if there will ever be a time where I just say her name Sorry, and there won't... I'm not won't... sure about that. <laughs> that was Alexa. I don't know why. No, that she... was Kim Jong-un and Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Mind your own business, Zuck. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'll bet you aren't. Build a good product okay, like right. Steve Jobs. <laughs> all right. That happens. That was very funny. I'm not sure about that. Um, okay. So where was I with this? <laughs> this is hysterical. You were talking about how we showed their their own words. Yes, yeah, their own words. So what I would do with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, I think that's the reason why I said her first name and it, and it kind of rings for, for that uh, device. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So Ocasio-Cortez, so I show my, my kids, I mean, forget about her face, I, you know, she's fine, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't care to, you know, contrast looks, I don't think that's a fair thing, but in terms of what she actually says, it, it's hysterical, like the, the fact that she doesn't know the three branches of government, I mean, she, she referred to them as the presidency, the senate, um, and the house, right, 
not, not realizing at all that these are not the three uh, branches of government. Yeah, well, realize Chuck Schumer actually said the exact same thing about four years ago. Okay, well, whatever. So, so it's not just her who's that stupid. Right. So, so when I, I show that to my, my kids and I say, look, this is what they do. I tell, I tell them what Maxine Waters says in terms of encouraging people to get in the face of Republicans as if we would ever do that. We, we would never do that. They do it no problem whatsoever. Then I show pictures of Antifa saying every one of these people are just like the fascists and the KKK. Look how they hood themselves in order to, to, uh, to make sure that nobody identifies them and worse yet to, to make sure to intimidate whoever they, they fight. Um, so I just show them. The world of leftism and how dangerous it is. So in much the same way, uh, you know, my dad once uh, took my, uh, my brother. He was not uh, doing very well in school for this one particular year in elementary school. So we were living in Connecticut. So my dad had some business in New York City, which was an awful city at the time, under Abe Beam and uh, Dinkins later on. And he, he brought my brother to this really horrible place with the hovel and they see it's a winter time and people huddling around with, you know, um, with the trash can with the fire, the right, yeah. gloves that the gloves, finger exposed, things were, yeah. fingers were exposed and everything else. And the men were you know, certainly not shaved and all the, the beard stubble and everything else. So, <laughs> and they're huddling around and, and my dad said, you see, son, these people didn't get good grades <laughs> and these people do, did drugs and look where they are. And my, my brother uh, was scared straight. You know, he was, I think, about 10 years old at the time. And I thought that was a brilliant maneuver on my dad's part. And he was right. This is the, uh, most likely those, those people did some form of drugs or another. And, you know, what's wrong with, with, with telling kids exactly what leftism is? Why, why not expose how dangerous leftism is? And here's what happens when a country you know, went on leftism, as it were, right? Here's what happened to Sweden with its rape gangs and the, hor the horrors associated with that. Uh, here's what happened in France, where there are now no-go zones and their cars being lit up constantly. That's the product and the consequence of leftism, in much the same way that your brain melts as a result of uh, doing drugs. What's the difference? Zero. Kids don't do leftism. Parents who love their kids don't teach them leftism. If you encourage your child to think in a leftist way, you are as dangerous to society as encouraging your kids to, to smoke pot. How about that? Okay? That's how irresponsible you are. Man, oh man. I, I know that sounds like a shocking statement, but I think, Ari, I, I know you agree with me, first of all. But I think it's a very, very fair characterization. I, I think it's a better analogy to say it's like encouraging your children to shoot heroin. I oh, mean, right. It's, it's much more dangerous. Yeah. It, it's far more addictive. That's yeah. true. And the fact that you and I were able to get out of this addictive behavior uh, is kudos to us, really. Yeah, I'm very, I, mean, I honestly feel... It's one like of my, wait, 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 wait. It's one of my great achievements. Yeah. That, in the same way, you know, look, you know about a vegan thing. I'm very proud of being vegan. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah, here we go. So, <laughs> but, I, but, but think, let's think of a smoker who gives up smoking. He's always proud of giving up his smoking. Or a, uh, an AA guy, right? An, yeah, a former, I'm proud a, a, that oh, I stopped oh, smoking on. weed 20 years ago. Right, I'm proud of it. Uh, but I'm more proud that I stopped shooting Democrats <laughs> almost 30 years ago. All right, let right? me go on with my other analogy. If, uh, an alcoholic who gives up alcohol, and he says, and, and he very proudly says, hey, I've been sober for, for 10 years. You know, today's, you know, congratulate me. Oh, I've been clean and sober. Great. And, and all of us on Facebook say, way to go, Bob. Right. right? It's, it's great, right? So we should say, we should do that. I've been clean and sober from liberalism <laughs> for the past 20 years, you know, and I'm, I ain't going back. I haven't, I, I'm, I think I'm good. <laughs> you know, I think I, you know, kind of like these different groups of conservative, whatever. I think you've hit on something so brilliant. Like AA, we should have a system of chips, right? Right. How long have you been clean and sober? <laughs> How long have you been free of Democrat thought crime? Right. You know, and you have a chip. You know, three months, six yeah. months, a year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You know, how long has this been since you voted for a Democrat, right? And, and I mean, I, I think that is a brilliant thing. And you can have support groups. You know, I think I'm going to do that on Facebook uh, today. Later on today, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and, and, and tell people, congratulate 
me uh, that it's, this is the anniversary of my going conservative right. uh, from the year 2002, which is, what, 16 years ago? Yeah. And uh, I'm just so proud. And wish me luck and, and uh, congratulate me on my great success. And I, and I guarantee you all my conservative friends will say, way to go. You know, it's good yeah. for you. Clean and sober. Yeah, I'm, I think mine is July 7th, 1992. I think that's yeah. my yeah. my uh, sobriety anniversary, if you will. <laughs> that's right. And I, you know, I think that is so brilliant. Yeah. And you go to a little novelty shop and have like AA chips made. You know, they have yeah, chips yeah. that you put on your key ring. You know, and it has the date of your little anniversary. Right. And this thing you can sell online, like the Brocklery store from the Brocklery, um, you know, book uh, author right. website. I, I think this would be brilliant. And you could buy these for your friends, and you know, right, clean and What's that chip on your keychain? Well, I've been, <laughs> I, I've been sober for this is so long. Well, I didn't know you had a drug problem. Well, I, I did. Well, what was your, what drug were you on? I was voting Democrat. I wasn't all of it, man. I was, I was doing pot. I was doing coke. I was doing heroin. I was doing liberalism. I yeah. Was... Well, well, the great thing about this is it's, it's what I call pre-recovery. So you take a, a guy who's pot, smoking pot or drinking or whatever, right? Yeah. And, and that first day sober is the hardest, right? So what this does is it says, well, as long as you quit voting Democrat, you can start on your path to sobriety yeah. and you can drink or smoke your weed, you know, for a while longer, and don't worry about that. But as long as you quit this, right. you're well on your way to recovery. Right. So, so, and, and you should be just as adamant and, and hostile to people who want you to to join them in the. Yeah, have a little bit of pot, right? But I have a no, taste. No, just a, you know, just say, oh, it's okay. I'll make sure that you don't have anything more than a couple of puffs, and then we all go home. No, you, we know how dangerous that is. You need to just say no. Nancy Reagan was right. All right. Well, I think we've enjoyed this quite a bit. That was a lot of fun. Um, and this is Brock Lurie signing off saying, uh, God bless, and we'll talk with you next week. <laughs>